It kills me not to know this, but I've all but just forgotten what the color of her Welcome to episode 54 of Three Point Podcast. It's a podcast for three different generations, three guys, and triple the hot takes. I'm the middle guy. I'm the Gen Xer, Matt Burns of ESPN. On the phone with me is our millennial, Jared Patel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. Usually Ted, our baby boomer, is uh, the guy doing all the intros and driving the train, as they say, but he's out right now. He, he's getting a brand new hip, or he got a brand new hip. Uh, what, what do you think about that, Jared? I hope he, he he did send us a text. I guess we're close enough with him now as sort of a three-point podcast grouping that he did text us that he was doing okay the day after, so I appreciated that. Yeah, I was I was going to ask him. I mean, I didn't want to get into into it too much. I figured he's in the hospital or whatever recovering. I wanted to say, like, did you literally just get out of surgery and you you thought to text your three point podcast guy? That that it surprised me, but I, I really did appreciate it. He, we were one of the first people on his mind, or maybe we'll find out that he texted probably a hundred people. Knowing him, he's a big social media Facebook guy. I'm kind of surprised I didn't see a post on there. Right. Yeah. I, I was gonna. That's what I was gonna ask. Like, did he even like let his wife know how it went before he texted us? Yeah, it, it really was pretty fast after he had it because <laughs> it was Monday morning, and I think we got texted like Monday at eleven or so. Yeah. So I don't know. I, yeah, I, I thought it was. Funny. It's good to know he's doing good. He says he's gonna be back next week. He's kind. It's kind of like he's got an ACL injury where he's like, you know, he's got the timetable. He's giving yep. us a one week, two week timetable. So we'll have to carry the ship without him. This is, this is like our one shot to do it without him. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, I, I appreciate the update. Yeah, we're hoping that uh, the, the brand new titanium hip gets, gets him back so he can keep going to all those concerts and maybe get back on the softball field. But, but yeah, we're hoping for a good recovery. And uh, yeah, so we're going to we're gonna drive the ship today. Uh, our partners, our rival Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, Corona Public Schools, and usually our podcast recording studio Z92.5 The Castle, but without Ted, we're not using The Castle tonight. <laughs> Isn't it kind of, that's when you know it's like, really is three generations. We're missing one of our uh, hosts because he's got a new hip. When you really think about it, it is pretty funny. It is funny, and just the fact that he's like the old guy of the trio. Yeah. Like, it, like if it was you getting a new hip, it'd almost like not make sense. But yep. yeah, our, our, uh, our baby boomer guy of the three generation trio is getting a new hip i can't i can't wait to have the full breakdown when he comes back he's gonna be like the the stairs that go up to the the studios at the castle he's gonna be like running up and down those <laughs> no that's why he can't do the podcast he can't go up yeah. those stairs right so basically any stairs he can't do so he's, he's pretty much left on one floor uh wherever he goes unless yeah. there's an elevator of course yeah you can check out three point podcast on apple itunes uh soundcloud we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, both handles there are at 3PointPod. Uh, yeah, check us out. Subscribe, rate, hit us up, email us at 3PointPod at gmail.com. Get a hold of us. Let us know what's going on. And I don't know about you, Jared, but one of the things yesterday, obviously, in our world, being Michigan, Michigan State fans, you know, whatever. I guess we're not really Michigan State fans, but mm-hmm. we, we follow their sports. Uh, the big Very news yesterday closely. was yep, uh, a lot of coaching changes. Maybe some good for Michigan and maybe not so good for Michigan State. What did, what did you think about what went on with Michigan and Michigan State football yesterday? So I'll start with Michigan. And I, as a Michigan fan, I just, and I guess this is just where I'm at with this program, is where I don't trust them like with anything they do. So they bring in uh, Josh Gaddis from, uh, he was at uh, Penn State and then he went to Alabama for a year. And it reminded me do you remember the hire of Doug Nussmeyer when Brady yeah. Hoke had the reins? Yep. It was basically the same sort of scenario where Alabama had just had a, like a poor game. Like obviously this year they just lost the national championship. Other than that, their offense had been really good. But I remember when we got Nussmeyer, it was after they they lost to Oklahoma by like thirty in like the Sugar Bowl, I think it was. Yep. And that's just kind of. I always feel like we're getting Alabama sloppy seconds. Like why? Why if you're Josh Gaddis, why would you go from Alabama, which just basically is just a hotbed for people hiring uh, coordinators out of there? Why would you come to Michigan? Like doesn't that and why and if you're Nick Saban, there's no way you're gonna let that guy walk if he actually is worth his weight. So that's like kind of what worries me about him. But I guess we still have time to tell. I don't know. It's just we always get Alabama sloppy seconds, and those are the teams that we want to be. I mean, we want to compete for a college football playoff, so it's, it's yeah. worrisome. Yeah, it, I I definitely understand what you're saying because it does kind of feel like that. Like 
you know, they did kind of, I mean, they, they played pretty well in the, the national championship, but their offense didn't perform, I guess, as good as Clemson's. But, you know, so it does kind of feel like Saban was almost at the point where he was like, all right, you guys aren't good enough. Go ahead and go yeah. elsewhere. Because he was, like you said, he was the co-offensive coordinator. Their offensive coordinator, Mike Loxley, he's going to Maryland to be the head coach. So it's almost like Saban let the whole offensive staff, the offensive coordinator and co-offensive coordinator go. So it does almost feel like the Saban know something we don't. Like, does yeah. he know that these guys aren't as good as they're, like, being sold as or something? Because, you know, it, it is exciting because, it, like you said, the jury is still out type of thing because it all comes down to still, is Harbaugh going to let him call plays? Yeah, he's yeah. supposed to be, like, a younger, more progressive, you know, open it up type of offensive mind. So it all still just comes down to, is Harbaugh going to let him do that? And the, and the thing is, this they, it's not like they replaced anyone with adding Gaddis. Like they, the NCAA just allowed it allowed teams to have ten coaches, so he's basically just stepping into the coaching room. No one's really move, move, losing their job or anything like that. So I really that's what I, I don't know if he's going to have any sort of say in that room. And the other thing that kind of worries me is like, were you really like blown away with like Alabama's offensive like dynamic, or were you just did you just think they had like all American talent all over the board? I you know I thought about that yesterday too. Like on like right away. Sounds awesome. Oh, we're getting Alabama's offensive coordinator. Their offense was great. They were, like, top 25 in passing offense. But, yeah, like, when you think about it, was it, like, that dynamic? Was it, like, Oregon back in the day when Chip Kelly was, like, Marcus Mariota and all those guys? Or was it just that, like you said, they just have a ridiculous amount of talent? So, of course, they're going to be good. So, I mean, Tua, Tua obviously is, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I don't know if, like, Shea Patterson will be able to do the things that he was doing. Uh, as far as throwing the ball, but to me, it's just like if any if if there's any sort of change to the offense, I'm I'm, I'm for that. So yeah. that that's why like it all comes to me. It all comes back to is Harbaugh gonna just let this guy call plays? Because that's what Saban had to do a few years ago. Like when he finally let Lane Kiffin in, Saban finally had to say, you know, I got to take a step back and let some of these other guys call plays. You know, so hopefully Harbaugh does the same. But I just – and like we've talked about before, I just don't think Harbaugh is able to do that. And, I, yeah. I mean, my, our fingers are crossed, and that's basically what a good coach does is you kind of let back the reins and you let other people, you know, run the show sometimes. And is that why you think maybe, like, Greg Madison moved on to Ohio State? Like, why else would he – as a Michigan man, like, for, like, 20 years, what made him finally decide to go to Ohio State other than the fact that it was a promotion? I'll give him that. Right. Yeah, and he's, I think he's 69 or 70 years old, and he's getting, I mean, he's going to be Ohio State's defensive coordinator, so it's definitely, it's a promotion and a raise and everything. It it just really stings that it's Ohio State, but maybe, you know, I don't know. Yeah, maybe he wanted the new challenge. You know, he wanted one more shot kind of to be a defensive coordinator somewhere. But right, I don't know if he didn't like working for Harbaugh. You know, people have said that, that Harbaugh wears out his welcome in four years, and that's kind of where we're at at four years. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's more that just just the promotion. I think he just wanted another shot to be a defensive coordinator at a you know one of the best programs in the country. So what what's funny is he Madison's kind of like he he was at Michigan in the mid '90s. I'm sure you saw this, but he was at Michigan in the mid '90s. He left to go to Notre Dame. So at that time, obviously, I mean, still a big rival for Michigan, but at that time, one of Michigan's biggest rivals. And the year after he left was '97 and. Michigan won the national championship, obviously. So people have been saying maybe that's going to happen again. But so it's not like he, it's not like he's been a Michigan man his whole coaching career. He's kind of bounced mm-hmm. around a little bit. But it's just that he's going to Ohio State is that's what makes it sting. It doesn't like it's not the fact that it, it's Ohio State like it makes it sting like it's like the whole rivalry. Really, for me, it's just like the fact that it's Ohio State. Like I feel like they almost stole one of our coaches. Like they know yeah. like when they when you lose to a team seven straight years. It's like, and then they just come in and swoop in and take one of your coaches and move, and like promote him. It's almost like we yeah. weren't utilizing this guy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we should have maybe had him as our defensive coordinator or something or more of a important role. Or yeah. we just lost this guy. Maybe we should have promoted him like within the system like this year. Like I, it's just Ohio State has this thing about them where it's I think it is a better program and they just they know something we don't know. That's how I feel about this whole move. Like, yeah, got Greg Madison. If he went anywhere else in the country, I'd be like, I really don't care. But because them, if it's basically them and Alabama are the two that I would think this way, 
they know something we don't know. They got a better coach. We we lost a guy that really was helpful to our program. Yeah, and it, you can't say that he wasn't uh, helpful to our program or, or a great coach because he was he was a defensive line coach and you know he helped out with the defense and everything. And if you look at our defensive line the past, I mean, ever since he's been there, best five six years or whatever, it's just been they've been turning out NFL players left and right on the defensive line. So I mean, he's definitely he's a great coach. He's a great recruiter. You know, just because you can look at his NFL pedigree. But the thing is, if, I mean, if you want to look at it, the defensive line at the end of this past season did kind of tail off a little bit. I mean, Winovich got – he was banged up. Gary was banged up and some other – but, like, overall this year, the defensive line, I mean, when you've got guys like Winovich and, and Gary and some of the other guys, they didn't perform all that great, especially down the stretch in, in those big games. So so maybe, maybe there's a side that Harbaugh was just kind of ready for a change type of thing, you know, like maybe he was – you know, like sometimes, like it ran its course. You know, maybe he was just ready yeah. for a change, and he just wanted to keep Don Brown and get some new blood in there. Because, I mean, they lost Al Washington too. He was a linebackers coach. That was that was the like one of the big things. He was he was one of the best recruiters in the country, and he went to Ohio State too. That one wasn't as surprising though, because he's like from Columbus. I think his dad played at Ohio State and some other stuff like that. So, so everyone kind of figured that he was going to go to uh, to Ohio State. But, but that's one thing. Like thinking about the recruiting. I didn't realize this, and I mean, I I remember hearing about it, but I didn't realize it was it was like he was this good at recruiting. So they rank all the assistant coaches in the country as far as like you know how they are as recruiters. We have Chris Partridge; he's the special teams coach at Mich- Michigan. He's like a mm-hmm. few times been ranked as the recruiter of the year. So he's like he's top level. He's great. If if he left, that'd be a big loss. Washington was number eighty five, and that was like always his thing. Like he was supposed to be like this amazing recruiter, which he is. But, you know, number 85, okay, Gaddis comes in, he's number 23. So I, I'm already, like, right there saying if Gaddis is going to call some plays and he's a better recruiter than Washington, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay positive and I'm going to call it a win. <laughs> you you always do have a way to – and I think that <laughs> time will tell on Gaddis. We'll see. I And we're both just kind of – I'm a little bit more narcissistic toward this Michigan program than you are, but I think we're both kind of just – Let's see what happens on the field. I mean, yeah. they're losing a lot of coaches, which I, it just doesn't look good on paper. I mean, they brought in Gaddis, but like we said, we're, I, it kind of seems like a sloppy second hire. It seems like it. So, yeah, hopefully, I mean, there, there's no I – mean, I feel like we've been saying this for a long time, but or a few years at least. There's no excuses for the offense this year. They got, I mean, basically everyone coming back on offense. So, mm-hmm. you know, last last year going into the season, the offensive line was a question. This year, they've got four. Four of the starters are coming back, so I don't. There's nowhere else. I mean, people talk about the wide receivers are the best in the country, maybe like the whole wide receiver group. The running backs have got a five star coming in, so Patterson's coming back, and you got McCaffrey waiting to play. So, if, if Gaddis is all he's cracked up to be, the the offense should be legit. Or we're gonna go back to like I saw someone post a uh, GIF of uh, the Lion King scene where. The, the dude like holds Simba up, you know, they're up on that uh-huh. rock and he holds yep. up and it said, said first, first day on the job, Gaddis walks in and says, what kind of plays are we going to run? And Harbaugh says straight up the middle and shows like the monkey throwing Simba off that rock or something like that. <laughs> so like, I, I just, yeah, like if Gaddis is great and everything, but if he comes in and Harbaugh just keeps going back to this same traditional offense then it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. And, that's kind of like what makes me wonder about Michigan State. I mean, did you see all the news on them? They basically just shuffled around their entire deck. They moved Mike Trussell as a defensive coordinator. Uh, they, they did bring in the defensive backs coach. They moved, like, their uh, Brad Salem, who was their, their quarterbacks coach, the offensive coordinator, and then Dave Warner, who was the offensive coordinator that everyone hated. They moved him to quarterbacks coach. And they even made a few other moves, like, with their recruiting staff. Like, what are they doing? That made no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard people say it. it, it was like, just reshuffling the chairs on the the deck of the Titanic or like D'Antonio, he didn't take his underwear off and wash them. He just turned them inside out and put them back on. So like, that's kind of what it feels like. I mean, Michigan state's offense was ranked 108 in the country last year, total offense, 108. That's, that's not good. And you just, you keep the whole staff. Like he holds this, he announces he's holding this press conference yesterday. So people are like, Oh, he's probably got some like, a new offensive coordinator or, you know, he's bringing someone in. 
nope, we're just, like you said, we're just shuffling guys around and we're going to keep going with uh, basically what we have. I mean, so Salem, like you said, he, he got moved offensive coordinator. Maybe he has a different scheme. You know, I have no idea what his, like, offensive philosophy is. But it doesn't, on paper, it doesn't sound very good at all. It It's like, it doesn't make, like, wouldn't these guys have been coaching these positions already if they were, like, best suited for it? Like, the offensive line coach coaching tight ends now? Like, that just seems, like, bizarre. Like, right. What, like, what does the offensive line coach know about tight ends? And the same thing goes for, you know, Dave Warner. Obviously, he struggled. At, there was a joke going around Twitter all the time, like, running jet sweeps to the, like, uh, near side of the field and stuff like that. But it's, like, it really doesn't make sense. But it shouldn't have surprised us because – D'Antonio, like, in this press conference, said he's a foxhole guy. Like, to a, And a lot of people are saying, like, that's going to be, like, his eventual fall. And I was like, he's never fired a guy. The only thing he's ever done is he didn't renew one of his defensive line coaches' contracts at Michigan State. Like, it's, that's all he's ever done when he's been there. Yeah. So, I don't know if – sometimes he's got to cut the cut the cord. And we've seen – I mean, hopefully we've seen Jim Harbaugh try to do it and bring in Josh Gaddis. And Michigan State is, like, kind of – they're even more like Stone Age in their offense. And I've got, yeah. like, I don't even know why they even shuffled around their defense because it's like they – it was looking good as it was. So that's why I, I don't understand what they're doing there. Yeah, and, I mean, it, it's not even – it's not like you have to go out and make some huge, like, crazy splash hire, like, find find the, like, diamond in the rough type of offensive coordinator or something like that. It just seems like Michigan State, they were at that point. I mean, they, they've got good talent on offense. They always have a good offensive line, and Lewerke was supposed to be this great quarterback for them. Just find someone else. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if if your offense is that bad, I mean, ranked 108th in the country, I mean, get someone else. I don't know. There's got to be a grad assistant who's got some, some, like, cool ideas that he's drawn up on Madden or something like that. You know, like, find someone who will at least change it up because, like you said, I think D'Antonio, I think he is, like, in that Izzo class at Michigan State where, like, He's he can he's going to be the head coach there as long as he wants type of thing. Yeah. Like I, I don't think they ever fired Antonio, but man, if he keeps just like sticking with his guys and it keeps going kind of the way that it is, like you said, this might be his downfall. They keep going, you know, six and six, seven and five, and stuff like that. It's I mean, it's not going to last that long. We say that, but honestly, would it surprise you at all if they come out and win ten games next year, beat Michigan in the process? No, that because that's what they do. Yep, the the year that they are kind of expected, like eh, I don't know seven wins, eight wins, that's when they, like, contend for the Big Ten Championship. So. And, and I'm not in that locker room, and and I kind of, like, I kind of go back and forth on this move. Like, he kind of doubled down on the coaches he had and basically the players that he has right now. Like, if it depends on how the team, like, really feels about, like, Dave Warner and, you know, obviously the quarterback coach. Like, if they really do respect them and trust them, like, I think it could be, it, could, it was probably the best move. Because, I mean, it's Michigan State. They're not going to go out and be able to hire, like, the next big thing. You know, right. I mean, they're not they're not Alabama, they're not a Michigan, they're not a Clemson, they're not going to be able to do that. Like they're they're going to get a lower of the barrel coach if they do go out and hire somebody else. So maybe it was the best move to just kind of restock or run back with what they had and just kind of restock right. back. Yeah, I mean that that's a good point because right, we're we're not in the locker room, we're just reading stuff on Twitter or whatever's in the the media or whatever. So like. Obviously, they they get criticized a lot. Warner does, and the, the rest of the offensive staff. But maybe the locker room loves those guys. Maybe the players love them. They just didn't execute this year. You know, they just didn't play that well this year. So, right, maybe maybe the players in the locker room love it. And you know, there is a loyalty factor. You know, people like to see that. They like to know that their jobs are secure and everything like that. So, um, I mean, there's a side to that, but there's also a side that you just got to win games. So, yeah, I mean, they they've, they've got to improve because. They, their offense was bad. I mean, I know we talked about it. they didn't even gain 100 yards of total offense against Michigan, so that's not going to cut it. No. And, you know, and, I mean, speaking of winning, how about Clemson? How about Dabo Sweeney? Are, <laughs> are you – I got to get this out. I'm not a big Dabo Sweeney fan. I think it's just like the contrarian in me where everyone's been telling me, like, man, I want to play for this guy. I, I Like, he's so good. He does it the right way. You know, whereas Nick Saban's like a jerk. Dabo Sweeney's just like he treats his coach nicely. I will say this about him. His coaches stay there. You know, Jeff Scott's yep. been there. He's like one of the top, like, coaching candidates if he left. But he stated it, like, time and time again. And he's their offensive coordinator, by the way. Uh, yep. Like, this is where he wants to be. And whereas, like, with Nick Saban, and, I mean, that's kind of like where people are comparing. It's pretty good for Dabo Sweeney to be compared to Nick Saban, by the way. But yeah. 
he's got the constant carousel going on there where it's like it's almost like an island of like misfit toys where like coaches go like when no one else wants him. I mean Sarkeesian, Butch Jones, Lane Kiffin, and he kind of makes the most of it. But like I wonder about Saban and the guy. I can't imagine that the constant changes like that. He I can't imagine that he likes that. You know, this is a right. guy that eats, like, the same thing every morning, two oatmeal cream pies. Like, I can't imagine <laughs> that the constant, like, switching of coaches in and out and switching of, like, offenses and defensive schemes. I can't, like, it, it, over time it was going to have a game like this where they were just completely exploited coaching. Yep. Yeah, and that's actually, that's one thing that uh, Feinbaum, he, he said that after the game on, on his show. He said that as good of a coach, obviously, as Saban is probably the best ever you know, sometimes you're only as good as your coordinators are. Uh, and I think he said, like, they got exposed a little bit because, like you said, there's been so much turnover at all those coordinator positions. I mean, they knew their whole offensive staff was going to be leaving, you know, to mm-hmm. Maryland and then now to Michigan. So, like, there there had to be – I know, like, you prepare and you want to win the national championship, obviously, but when you know your coaches are leaving, there has to be – it has to be a weird feeling, wouldn't you think? Yeah, like especially when you're a player like you're Tua and you're coming back next year, like you know you're coming back next year, and you just know you're gonna have a whole different coaching system next year. Like I, I, and whether or not like people say like Mike Locksley, like he was gonna really prepare for the national championship, like you gotta think that it's not quite everything he would have gave. Like you know, right. if he hadn't already taken another job. Yeah, and, well, because you know he's out there recruiting and stuff like that, so he's already not at Alabama 100 percent of the time. Hmm. And then, but as for like the people that are saying like Clemson's better moving forward compared to Alabama, like I just think that's a complete joke. Like, wh- where do you stand on that? Like, the way I look at it is like Saban's one five, uh, Dabo's two, but it's like it's I wouldn't say that one's right, one way is right or wrong. Obviously, Dabo's probably a little bit better to his coaches, gives him a little bit more credit and stuff like that. But the way I look at it is just like there's two different ways to sort of you know win, and I wouldn't say either of them are wrong. Like Dabo, the more like player friendly approach and Saban with the more kind of dictator approach. I wouldn't say either of them is wrong. And that's just, I don't know why people are kind of coming down at Saban. You can't win every year. You can't. Right. So that's yeah. what I don't get. And I, I think Alabama is definitely better suited going forward. I, I don't trust Clemson to sort of stay at the top like they have been the last few years. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like on the fence a little bit. I There's a side to me that does think Clemson right now is kind of like in the driver's seat to take mm-hmm. over, be the next Alabama because of what they're building. And, you know, Dabo's a little younger. But I feel like it is – like, it. Saban has set the bar so high that they go to the national championship and lose, and, like, people think it's a failure of a season. Like, yeah. a lot of a lot of people would see it like they won the SEC, they made the playoff, they made the national championship, and they lost to a really good team. You know, so a lot of people would see that kind of season as, like, a success. But not Alabama because – Saban has set the bar that high that if you don't win the national championship, it's a failure. So I think there's a side to me that, like, wonders how genuine Dabo is. Obviously, I don't know him personally, so I have no idea. But, like, I feel like people think he's, like, this, I don't know, this neighborhood, like, everyone loves him. And, you know, you see him around town type of guy. He's got this, like, southern accent that makes him sound, like, really nice. And, you know, I this isn't a statement about religion or anything, but he always talks about his face and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So people always eat all that up. Um, so I feel like there's a side to me that, like, it's almost a little phony. Like, I don't know. I, like I said, I don't know him personally, so it may all be genuine. It may really be who he is. But I wouldn't be surprised if, like, behind closed doors, like, he's paying players. He's, like, paying teachers to give his guys, like, good grades and stuff. Like, there wouldn't be a side to me. Or there's a side to me that thinks, like, he's, like, playing off this, this Southern accent and his, like, his faith and everything like that to make him look like this great guy. His coaching staff loves him, and but actually he's, actually like, a dirty coach. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I wouldn't go as far to say, like, the whole uh, paying players and stuff like that. I mean, it's po- very possible. But I would say, is like, there, people think he's, like, just the nicest guy in the world. There's no way that at practice he's not bitching guys out. And right. people people kind of seem to think, like, he knows, like, everyone's name. Like, there's no way in hell. He's got to recruit, right. like, 400 guys, and he's got, like, 100 guys on his team. Like, you're either, like, with him or you're not. Like, he cares about his star players and, like, his players, I guess. But just I think people kind of have, like, the – like, they just think he's, like, the best guy in the world. And, and he's a yeah. college football coach. Like, you got to be cutthroat. Yep. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, the, the age thing, I think, comes into play with Saban. I think he's, like, 74 or something like that, like, low 70s. So, I mean, like, eventually that's going to 
I mean, eventually that's going to catch up to them. But I, I do think they are at the point where as long as Saban's there, they're going to be fine. I think they've they've had seven straight number one recruiting classes. So, like, as long as Saban's there, Clemson is still a step below Alabama. But I think, you know, if, whatever, in a year or two, if Clemson wins another one and Saban retires in a few years, like Clemson, as long as Dabo stays at Clemson, that they'll be right there. I saw uh, a thing, actually, that I think uh, Nick Saban's 68, I think. Oh, is he? And... I thought he was, like, 72. All right. Oh, maybe. I just know he's like one year, so Bear Bryant died like next year, like first Nick Saban. So like when Nick Saban, I'm pretty sure, uh, I can look it up, I thought he was 69. But I know that like Bear Bryant would have just died from a heart attack like next year. And it's kind of oh, crazy yeah, when he's, you think he's about 67. it. Yeah, so, wow, he's even younger. Like, I, I think he's got another like 15 years in him. I don't That's know. That's true. Yeah, I, I, I was like 73, like 74. Guy. So yeah, he, he might have a good eight years or something in him. Because it's like you look at Bear Bryant where he was like shutting down, and Nick Saban is almost like the opposite. Like he's almost like aging backwards. I don't know. He doesn't. He, for being that old, he really does not seem that old. He seems really spry. He runs around. He's still like very, very, very smart. Obviously, very sharp. Like I, I don't see him slowing down at all. So. Doesn't seem like it. I mean, I, I've heard that before too. He eats two oatmeal cream pies every morning. Like that's a hell of a breakfast. That's pre- it's pretty awesome. It, that would be very <laughs> delicious. And he's like he's still skinny. I mean, he's still in great shape, right? Well, yeah, you've, you've seen videos of him working out. He's got some funny. I don't know if you've ever seen videos of him working out. There's him and like Spurrier. They've shown videos of those guys working out. It's pretty funny. <laughs> but, I don't know how he has time to do that. I don't no. Know. Where do you stand on oatmeal cream pies? Are they the best little day. They. I used to hate them when I was a kid. Um, and then I had one about. A year ago, I think it was, and I was like, "Man, these are actually really good." They're probably my favorite little Debbie snack, I think. Wow! If I had to rank them. How about I you? Think, like maybe the cosmic I, I, brownie. Cosmic brownies pretty damn good too. Cosmic, yeah, I was gonna say cosmic brownies or fudge rounds. I think are my my favorite. I don't think I've ever had fudge round. Okay, yeah, no, they're good. Fudge rounds are good, or the nutty bars, like the peanut butter sticks, or you know whatever. Those things are good. You ever buy oh, them from the gas stick, station? Uh, yeah, I have done that. The fudge rounds are—they're basically just what they're like the chocolate version of uh, oatmeal cream pie. Yeah, it's like chocolate cake with chocolate frosting in the middle. I can imagine those are very good. But <laughs> yep. The nutty bars—I'm not a fan of the nutty bars. You, okay. you lost me on that. No, I, I would rank nutty bars probably up there. Fudge rounds, but oatmeal cream pies—I don't know if I could eat two every morning. I, I used to—I used to smash some little debbies. I don't—I don't have little debbies that much anymore at all. But two every morning. It's a good way to start I mean, the day. I mean, why not? I get they're easy, they're simple, they're delicious. And like I said, he's a creature of habit, so that's why I can't imagine that that coaching change, you know. I mean, that keeps him up at night. I don't know how it couldn't. So, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely know what you're saying, but it doesn't seem to have affected him because he's still making yeah. the national championship every year. So, But I, I do know what you're saying. I feel like there's a side to him that's got to, like, look at, like you said, look at Dabo and basically keeping all his staff in be a little envious, but Saban's got five or what six national championships overall. So whatever. I did see. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you put into this. I saw you know people put out like Harbaugh obviously gets a ton of criticism and everything. His his record at Michigan in his first four years or the four years he's been at Michigan is thirty eight and fourteen. Like there's there's a lot of programs who would take that in a four year span. Dabo's first four full seasons because he he actually started coaching like halfway through one season. But his first four full seasons, he was 36 and 18. So, like, a couple games worse than what Harbaugh's done in his first four years. And now, obviously, Davos turned Clemson into, I mean, maybe the second best country or the second best program in the country. Like, mm-hmm. do you put anything into that? Like, do you think Michigan fans should, like, look at that? Like, I looked up Mark Antonio, his first four years, he was 33 and 19. So, I mean, like, a, a couple games worse than what Harbaugh's doing, too. And, I mean, at least Michigan State fans look at D'Antonio as, like, the best coach in the world or whatever. So, like, is there anything to that? Should, the, like, I, the expectations were different for Harbaugh, obviously, coming in? But do you think Harbaugh could eventually, in a couple of years, a few years, turn it around, hopefully win one? I guess the thing that I'm looking I, – I, obviously, you know, as a Michigan fan, I think that it's possible that we could win one somewhere down the road. But the thing that just troubles me about that, Matt, is that – you just compared us to Michigan State, who's just not on the same. You know, if this is NCAA football, 
they're like a four-star program. We're a six-star program. Right. You know, NCAA football, 14, great game. But that's, like, just kind of what troubles me about that. We shouldn't be comparing ourselves to a Michigan State, and that's where we are. Yeah. Just to try to make ourselves feel better. Like, we should be comparing ourselves to the Alabamas, and obviously, like you said, the Clemsons of the world. But Clemson was not that program. Like, I don't know. Dabo Sweeney is a once-in-a-lifetime coach. He brought that program from just kind of middle of the pack in the ACC to really to new heights that no one saw imaginable. Yep. I mean, we all remember the whole term, like, Clemsoning. I used to love it. Every time they were on national TV, they would just get absolutely blown out of the – blown out of – blown off the field. Yeah. Normally, it was to, like, Florida State. And, like, I remember – I specifically remember, like, the Jameis Winston game where he went in there. They had the whole, like, Death Valley. Like, uh, they drove the buses around the stadium, which is one of the coolest traditions probably in all of college football, by the way. And then they just went on the field and got absolutely blown out. Where it's like it's literally a term on Urban Dictionary. Clemsoning means to, yep. like to shit the bed in the biggest of games. So we can compare ourselves. Like yeah, that's kind of makes you think. Like hey, Jim Harbaugh still got plenty of time to turn this thing around. But I don't know. Dabo Sweeney. It's tough to compare yourself to Dabo Sweeney, who seems like just an all-time recruiter, all-time coach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, time will tell, obviously. But I, I just I keep telling some of my buddies like. You know, it it always seems like it's always like, what about next year with Michigan, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, Harbaugh has the number one class in the Big Ten coming in next year. And I just keep saying, what, like, how do you think he would recruit? How would Michigan be if they ever actually started winning something real? Like, he's he's recruiting these guys, and he's getting great classes, and they keep finishing, like, second and third in the Big Ten. Like, what mm-hmm. happens if they actually win a Big Ten or make the playoff or obviously win a national championship? I think – if he sticks around and gets a national championship, I think he could turn this into a Clemson type of thing. I mean, obviously we have no idea, but it's it's the getting the national championship thing, though. Like, right. what is there? Maybe like ten coaches in the entire, ten, like maybe ten coaches in the entire like NCAA that's won a national title, maybe less. I think there's only like now that Meyer has retired, I think there's only like three active: Saban, so, I mean, uh, Jimbo Fisher, and Dabo. Yeah, I, I think are the only active coaches who have national championships. So, well, now Les Miles came back. Les Miles came back to coach, so he's got one. Wow! But so there's but four yeah. of them. Yep. Yep. So yeah, so that's just, pretty crazy. It's just you kind of got to break that seal, and before yeah. you can really, I don't know, turn into a great like a Clemson type program or Alabama type program. Because I mean, like you said, there's three out of 150 schools or however many there are. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I guess time will tell, but. Let's move on to a little NFL. But before we talk NFL, let's talk about Rivals Tap House and Grill. It's a local spot to meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on our 21 TVs, including a 120-inch projection screen. Weekly food and drink specials include great burgers, wings, and pizza, along with homemade soup and salad. Rivals Tap House and Grill located on the corner of Shiawassee at M21 in Corona. So the NFL, are you like, are you pumped up? Did you watch it? You said. I think didn't you say like last weekend's slate of NFL games looked like trash? Like so, what did you think? This this up this upcoming weekend is I'm like all in on these games. I mean, we on Saturday we got two good games and Colts versus Chiefs at uh, 4:35, and then the uh, Cowboys and Rams at 8:15, and then obviously on Sunday Chargers and Patriots at one, and then Eagles versus Saints at 4:40. Did you see the Sean Payton? Like I think it, it was all over Twitter. <laughs> did you see his motivational tool? What he used? Yeah, it was amazing, but go ahead and wait it was, out. So he brought in a few armed bodyguards. He got $250K in cash and then the Lombardi trophy, and he brought it in. He said, you guys want 250 k Win three games. So basically every single player gets a $250,000 bonus if they win the Super Bowl. And that's just like, how do you not run through a wall after seeing that? Like, unless you're like Drew Brees who has, you know, millions and millions. Right. Like, if you're like – Probably basically anyone else other than maybe like the top ten guys on that team in payment wise, like two hundred fifty k is a lot of money. And yeah, I don't know. I, just, I don't know as a professional football player, looking at a stack of two hundred thirty five thousand dollars, what what else would motivate you more than that? Exactly, and it's like you see <laughs> video of like who they're going against, Doug Peterson, who hands out like ice cream sandwiches, uh, <laughs> right. like at like. I mean, how do you compete against that? But then I will say this: I mean. Doug Peterson has won a Super Bowl, so maybe he yeah. knows something we don't know. Maybe people really do just get that, I don't know, motivated just for ice cream. I know yeah. I would. Maybe that's all it takes. But no, when I saw when I saw what Sean Payton did, I was I thought that was a pretty baller move. I mean, you've got obviously Drew Brees, 
he, he, you don't have to t- tell him how to motivate himself or whatever. He's rich. He's got a Super Bowl, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, any of those, like, lower guys, when you're, like, making league minimum or something like that, and you see that stack of cash, all we got to do is win three games. That's that's pretty good motivational tool. But So do you think they're going to do it? Or are you going to say the Saints are your favorite? Or are you going with – I don't know. Nick Foles is – he's – one of my good buddies is a big-time Eagles fan, and he's, he's all aboard the Nick Foles train. But I – you go into New Orleans, it's it's going to be a later game at New Orleans. They're going to have a whole day to tailgate. Like, they, like Sunday is like they call it Saints Day there. It's like yeah. where it's like, it's like Michigan. Like, we have a big tailgate for Michigan and Michigan State here, like in Michigan. It's the opposite for New Orleans. Like, it's all for the Saints. So, they're yeah. going to be pumped in the Superdome. I just don't think they're going to beat the Saints. Drew Brees is too good. I mean, it's eight-point spread. So, I just don't think the Eagles – I think this is where the Nick Foles magic runs out, honestly. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't – last year uh, when he came in in the regular season, he didn't play that well. But then in the playoffs, obviously, he turned it on. It was ridiculous in the playoffs. He, I mean, he played pretty good last week. But, uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling, yeah, that the, the magic runs out a little bit with him. And it's hard – yeah, the main thing is it's hard to get, go against the Saints in the Superdome. Mm-hmm. But the game that I'm – like, I I think this weekend's games, uh, every single one of them are going to be so good. But the one that I can't wait to watch is the Chargers and the Patriots. Because, yeah. I mean, obviously the Patriots are who they are, Tom Brady and everything. But, like, the Chargers are the team that a lot of people are picking. And Phillip Rivers is playing really well. Their team is – I mean, they're, they're a complete team, offense and defense. So, like – and I keep holding on to – Phillip Rivers had a little more success. He had some division titles and playoff wins uh, before this season. But I put, like, Stafford in, like, a similar space as Phillip Rivers. And I think, like – if the Lions could ever surround Stafford with a team like what the Chargers have this year, maybe the Lions can make a little bit of a run. So I want to see this Chargers team against the Patriots. I don't know. That's the game that I really want to watch. I I agree with you. It's a it's a great game. I, I, that's probably my number one to watch as well. But I, Matt, are you kidding me? Philip Rivers and Matt Stafford. I'm holding out hope. I, I Philip Rivers has been great his whole career. Matt Stafford just threw for less than four thousand yards in twenty in twenty eighteen. Yeah, he was. This year was pretty bad for Stafford. I mean, like, Philip Rivers is never going to have that year. Let me ask you this question, and this is something that me and uh, Ted actually talked about on, like, the Lost Pod, which we'll never ever hear. Um, <laughs> who would you rather have as, like, a broadcaster, like, in, a, in, like, let's say five years? Let's say, and I know you're an ESPN guy, but let's, and I, and I actually didn't mind the Monday night broadcast, but let's just say for, you know, for the argument's sake, he slides into the Monday night football role on ESPN. Who would you rather have as a broadcaster, Philip Rivers or Tom Brady? I mean, calling a game, I think it would be Phillip Rivers. The dude's hilarious. And yeah, exactly. I mean, as like as Tom Brady's – I mean, Tom Brady's Tom Brady. But I feel like he's uh, a little vanilla. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, calling a game, I don't think he'd bring a whole lot of, like, flavor. You know, like kind of like Tony Romo does. Uh, maybe he would. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I, Phillip Rivers, is, he's a pretty funny dude. He is like you know he he doesn't give a shit what people think about him like he would just be no holds barred like he's saying what he wants to say yeah and that's just like I I just I need him to retire basically after this year <laughs> and go right into the booth I I would love that that's my number no, one guy that I got my my I, I have him circled for one day stepping in the booth yeah I never thought about that he would be good in the booth is there anyone yeah, else that you look at you know, in the league that you're like I I would love to see this guy kind of be a broadcaster. I was going to say, you know who would be terrible, just because I wouldn't want to ever hear his voice, I can't stand his voice, is Andrew Luck. If they, ever put, if they ever put him in the booth to call a game, I think that would be like the first time I would watch a game on mute or something because obviously he's a great quarterback and everything, but he's got the weirdest voice. He does. I, he's the weirdest voice. I can't handle it. I, he does, but I feel like he just he's like one of those guys that loves football and he just loves talking about football and he's just so like, I mean, well, first off, did you see the video of him swearing? I gotta ask you this. Did you see the video oh, yeah. of him swearing? And then it looks like he saw a ghost after he said it, and he apologized yeah. like three times to the reporter for swearing. Yep. What a guy! And 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 if you put him in the boat, like he kind of reminds me of Tony Romo in a sense, where he just loves football, you know. And I feel like he would be good at sort of just talking about it. But like you said, I don't think you could ever get past his voice. How do you yeah, see like I, that Colts and Chiefs game going? By the way, that I mean, that's another one too. That you know, the Colts. The Colts are playing really well. I, I think, you know, there's always that team that, like, has the week off, that got the bye in week one, that kind of lays an egg. So I don't know if that's going to be the Chiefs. But Luck is playing really well. 
I just, like Mahomes has never really been in this spot, or he has never been in this spot. So I'll be curious to see Mahomes in the playoffs. But yeah, I, I think this one might be a shootout. You know, you got Mahomes mm-hmm. and Luck. They might. I mean, it might just be a complete shootout. So, so let me ask you this: So, if you are, let's say, you're the Patriots, who would you rather see in the next round? Would you rather have the Colts come to New England, or would you rather go to the Kansas City Chiefs? I think, like on the surface, it seems like an obvious question, but like when you really think about it, the way this Colts team is playing, like I think it's kind of a tough call. Yeah, I mean, like I, I think the obvious one, which at least for me, would be the Colts, because I, to me, I wouldn't think that uh, the Patriots, because their defense isn't isn't very good, I wouldn't mm-hmm. think that you'd want to go up against Mahomes because I, I would think Mahomes might torch the Patriots' defense. But, right, at the same time, the Colts are playing really well, and Andrew Luck is playing, I mean, almost as good as he has in his career. So, so yeah, I mean, at this point, you just play whoever you can play. You just want to win and move on. So maybe that's what you're thinking. Yeah, that's a good call. That's, that's probably my number two game that I'm looking forward to. I can't wait to watch. And that's, like, one of those I, – I like both those teams. Like, I'm fine with whoever wins that game. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm at the point, like, I, I'm not a Patriots fan. I just like seeing Tom Brady rack up Super Bowls just mm-hmm. to, like, piss people off because there's so many people that just, like, hate Tom Brady. And, yeah. you know, I'm I'm a Tom Brady fan just because he went to Michigan. I'm not, like, a Patriots fan or nothing like that. But I just like seeing people get so pissed off, and they hate Tom Brady, and they hate Belichick, and it just makes me laugh. Yeah. Like, other, same... Otherwise, in these playoffs, I don't really have a horse in the race. I, I really don't care who wins. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like, I kind of like watching the New England in the Super Bowl. Like, I, they're so polarizing. I kind of love them. Like, it's the same yeah. way with Alabama. Like, when other people hate Alabama, I kind of like watching them just win. You know, it's why people like Tiger Woods. It's why people like LeBron. It's why people like Michael Jordan. Like, you just kind of like seeing that greatness. Yep. And, like, I just – I kind of like that with the Patriots. But I am worried that this could be, like, the start of their downfall. And I know it's been said, like, ten times, but it really does right. do, like, this game is really just sort of a decider against the Chargers. Yeah, but I mean, the Chargers like, are legit. And then the the last game we haven't talked about yet, the Saturday night game at eight fifteen, uh, Cowboys versus Rams. You know, for me, it's like the Rams like they have a lot of star power, but it's like their defense really is not that good. And surprisingly, since they lost like uh, Cooper Cup, who's like a white wide receiver, like you wouldn't really think he's that important to a team like with you know all these other studs like Aaron Donald and you know Jared Goff and stuff. But since they lost Cooper Cup, like they have really struggled like on offense. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually I was watching uh, Get Up this morning, and Lewis Riddick was talking about that, and he said their offensive line has, like, been really bad. Todd Gurley has been banged up, so that hasn't helped. Um, and then, yeah, Cup going out was actually a big loss. So, so, yeah, I mean, the Rams, obviously, if they click, like, they're one of the best teams in the in the NFL. But, yeah, they spent all that money on defense, signed all those dudes. It seemed like this past offseason they were just signing everyone on defense. And mm-hmm. their defense really hasn't been all that great. So, I I just can't that that's maybe like you asking who I want to win or whatever. There's definitely a team that I don't want to win and that's the Cowboys. I just yeah. I can't stand the Cowboys. I can't stand their fans. I like they they might be the most annoying fan base in all of sports. So that like I don't really care who wins, I just don't want the Cowboys to win. Yeah, I kind of agree with that as well. Like I just there's something about like Dak Prescott that I really don't like. I don't know what it is about him. You yeah. Know? He's just so bland. He kind of seems like he's kind of a jerk sometimes. Like just right. in an interview, he's not a great interviewer. And I, I do like the Rams, I, although it would be kind of funny to see like the sh- two years in a row, Sean McVay like not winning a game in the playoff, and then that would be like the whole uh, narrative going into next year. But something that, and, the, and so, speaking of like that same sort of narrative, you know who's playing incredibly well right now, Matt? Uh, Philip James Harden. He's averaging three oh, more God. points a game. Another, he's averaging a whole another three a point three uh, pointer a game. He's averaging only point one less assists a game than last year. He's averaging yeah. more steals a game. Yeah, like this guy is, he's, he's he should repeat his MVP. Like if things stay the way they are, since Chris Paul's been out, he's just been lighting it up. What do you have to say about that, Mister Kobe fan? Uh, yeah, I mean you can't really argue it. He's he's lighting it up in the regular season. It's always it's cool. It's cool to do this in the regular season. People made he made that that last last second shot against the Warriors to beat the Warriors. Everyone started going crazy. He was going crazy. Yeah, that, that's a cute. That's a nice little regular season win. Do it yeah, in the playoffs. Do it in the, the playoffs. Like I think that for him, like winning a winning a, a NBA title, like it would do more for his like stigma. He sort of has the same stigma that that Dirk had for a long time until he yep. won in 2011. 
Like, if Harden just wins one title, like, I feel like he launches, like, ten spots in people's, like, all-time ratings, you know? Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah, because, I mean, I you think like, about, like, when people talk about point guards, Steve Nash won back-to-back MVPs, mm-hmm. but he never won an uh, NBA championship. So, right, to that sense, if Nash would have just won one NBA championship, I feel like it would have put him on a whole other level. So, probably similar to Harden. Exactly, and I feel like it's just, it's basically Harden, and I feel like it would do the, like with Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant went to the Knicks or something, like I feel like that would sort of propel him to a whole other level as yep. well. Or if he somehow went back to the Thunder, if that somehow happened, but yeah. it's just he's playing so well. I love watching him. So I you love know, man, watching? I had him? to bring it up. I, yeah, you, like I know so you're what? obviously a Harden fan, but you actually like watching him play. I just. His, he's, he is ridiculously talented on, on offense. Like, I'm not taking that away. He's incredible. I can't stand watching him play, though. Just his his step back, that is a travel every time. His <laughs> driving driving to the lane where nine times out of ten, he's the one initiating contact. He just, like, flails or make it look like he got fouled. Goes to the line, he's shooting, like, 25 free throws a game. It's boring. Like, he, he's re- incredibly talented, but his style of play is, I can't stand watching him play offense. Maybe it's just because I'm not really, like, a fan. But it's not, it's not fun to watch to me. I love it because it's, like, it's one man running the show. I can always appreciate when someone just puts on a backpack. And he's shooting, yeah. like, nine threes a game. He's getting, like, eight nine assists a game. Like, just when someone's running the show like he does, I can appreciate it. And for some odd reason, okay, I got to back up. Here's another big storyline that I just found out. <laughs> so, do you remember Hito Turgaloo? Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you know that he's the chief advisor to the president of Turkey? I did not know that. I know he's from Turkey. I didn't know he's got that what position. Is, uh, yeah, like how does he stumble into that job? He goes from playing for the Magic to just stumbling into the chief advisor of the president of Turkey, which is like suppressing millions of people, by the way. And yeah. I just know that because when – did you see the whole Ennis Cantor story where he's not going to London for fear of his life? Yeah, that was pretty weird. I mean, I, I don't know all the political stuff that's going on in Turkey. I know, like you said, there's a lot going on. But, right, it's pretty strange that he feels like he can't travel overseas because he, he said he he might get, like, killed. Yeah, and the, it was just Hito Turkle who said that that was just crazy, and the media is blowing that out of proportion that that, that would never happen. Just, wow, Hito Turkle is not where I would expect him to be nowadays. Not what I, what I would expect, but, I mean, I don't know. He got famous over here and made a ton of money, so maybe that was like a natural transition. Going to, going to politics, go back to your country, go into politics. I feel yeah, exactly, and I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, the Pistons. So yeah, I mean, that's not much to they, talk about. But. Yeah, I was gonna say I I just saw this morning. I saw a stat. I mean, I knew how bad they were doing, but they only have four wins since December first, and like I don't know if you remember, right before then. They actually, like, like ESPN Power Rankings had them at, like, number seven or something because they had just won a few games straight. They had just beaten the Warriors, and they were actually playing really well. I think they were maybe, like, 14-7 and seven or something like that. But, right, since then, they've only got four wins since December 1st. So they're, they're a train wreck. And, you know, I think it, we, talked about, we talked about the NBA, like, before the season started. I don't think Blake Griffin and Drummond are necessarily the issue. I think you do need more. I think it honestly like comes back to Reggie Jackson or just the guards in general. Like Blake Griffin and Drummond are actually playing pretty well, but their guard play is like horrendous. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, they're seventeen and twenty-two. Eight, they've lost eight of their last tens, but they're only two games out of the eight seed, which is I think that we would consider that a good season if they make it to the playoffs as the eight seed. Yeah, but the At thing that point, really anyway. Uh, yeah, you can't really blame. Blake Griffin's having a really good year for what he is. I mean, as like kind of like in his point Blake role, but I feel like that's kind of like that hurts the guard play, you know. And, yeah. And you know, I don't like Reggie Jackson. The thing that really kind of jumped off to me, jumped off the screen to me, is that Blake Griffin's making more threes on this team than anyone else. He's making yeah. two point three threes. Blake Griffin is making more threes in today's NBA on, the, on an NBA team than anyone else on his team. Like that's a problem. Yeah, and the other night, I think against the Lakers, or maybe it was last night against the Kings, uh, he didn't have one rebound. So I saw that, yeah. Yeah, he's making, I mean, today's, like, you you just laid it out. Today's NBA is completely different. But, you know, he's essentially a power forward or whatever. For him to get no rebounds in a game and make more threes than anyone else on the team, there's clearly a problem on that team. And, you know, like I've seen people say, like, you know, the trade deadline's coming up. 
say, like, the Pistons need to make a huge move to make a push to the playoffs. I'm just like, like what, what is the huge move that they can make? You know, like, the huge move would be your biggest assets are Griffin and Drummond. So you're going to, like, trade one of those guys to try and get someone else? Like, people have talked about trying to make a move for Bradley Beal. Like, I don't would Bradley Beal really improve the team a whole lot? I mean, he's better than Reggie Jackson, but so like when I hear people say like the Pistons just need to make a huge move to make a push for the playoffs, I'm just kind of like, like, what is that move? I disagree, Matt. It's like we're locked into Blake Griffin for five years, right? And we have Andre Drummond now. It's kind of like why not just make one of those moves? I, like, yeah. I'm, and that was like sort of the thing with before, and John Wall kind of played a you know all time finesse move where he just got surgery or whatever when they were thinking right. about trading him. But that was who I want. That was who I was circling. Like, let's, let's, you know, let's get rid of Jackson. Let's send maybe, you know, a couple of these guys we have and let's get John Wall in here to see what we can do. I mean, you might as well just burn the boats and go all in on this sort of. <laughs> no, I'm, up, I'm like, the superstar train. Yep. No, I, I definitely agree with that. You should definitely try something. I guess. Yeah. My point was like, what is the move? Cause right. John Wall was maybe a, uh, a potential move. Like, Kemba Walker had been talked about, but the Hornets are actually playing okay. They might make the playoffs. So, and they've said they're not going to trade Kemba Walker, so that that's not going to happen. So, yeah, it, it's just like I, I just don't know like who the guy is that they would go out and get. It's not like they have like who's their young assets that they, that they could trade. Luke Kennard, you know, or are they just going to trade some like draft picks? You know, you know, not, they they don't have these like young guys that are tradable, I guess. Exactly. I mean, we have Luke Kennard out there on the bench who, like, lost his mind last night, by the way. Did you see that video? No. Well, he was, like, he was just arguing with somebody on the bench. It was, like, a really poor – it looked like it's a Pruder film, like, quality-wise, like, just him arguing with somebody on the bench. I don't know the whole story. I'm, I was looking for headlines this morning to try to see what was going on, but I never knew. But the thing that was, like, kind of the, the twist of the dagger in my heart this year, kind of the last game I watched, actually. So Donovan Mitchell comes out. He's absolutely destroyed us. <laughs> We all know that we passed on him for Luke Kennard. Well, he, and then he blows a kiss at Andre Drummond. Like, are you shitting me? Like, right. The guy that we should have on our team leading us. Imagine this team with Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and Donovan Mitchell kind of running the show. Like, yep. That's an awesome team that I would love to watch. And it's just, that's forever going to bother me that we don't have uh, Mitchell yep. on our team. And he's just rubbing it in, blowing kisses, and doing just shit talking our whole team, laughing in our face, basically. Yep. Yeah, and I think that's the. That's the biggest missing piece is a dynamic guard. Uh, I mean, they, Reggie Jackson, like, he's okay. He's a decent player, but he, he's never going to take a team, like, to the next level. If they had someone like Donovan Mitchell or maybe even Bradley Beal, John Wall, just just some sort of, like, dynamic guard. I feel like the guards don't – are like, no threat to the defense. You know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. everyone can just double up on Blake and Drummond and – they know. I mean, Drummond. That's crazy. I did, I didn't know that stat. I I knew Blake was making a ton of threes. I didn't know he led the team in threes. Like that's insane. It, it's it's a joke, and that just shows you. Oh, we just got to dig out of this hole that SVG built us. I don't know how we do it. I don't know how long it takes. It might take the whole length of Blake Griffin's contract until we really just basically just shut everyone down and rebuild. Like there's nothing. Yeah. Like this is what we this is what we signed up for. You know, battling for the eight seed. Just so that we yeah. get swept by the Celtics in round one. Yep. Yeah, and it's a shame because that, like, like you said, Blake and Drummond are actually playing decent. So, like, if they had, if they had a decent guard, they, I mean, they wouldn't win a net. They were, they wouldn't win an NBA championship. But, you know, they might be like a four or five seed in the East. You know, if they had Donovan Mitchell or something like that. But, but yeah, yeah we're, and, we're we're stuck with what they are, I guess. And there's, I know there's one team that you want to talk about. You know, your fandom, I guess, for the Lakers. Yeah. They're not looking good right now since LeBron's been out, but I will say this. I think that it's good for them in the long run, sort of like the Celtics last year when they didn't have Gordon Hayward, to kind of let Lonzo sort of run the show. Like Kuzma, yeah. I mean, Kuzma put up 43 against the Pistons. I mean, for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah. I love watching Lonzo ball play. I think he's really taking a step this year. I don't know about you. Yeah. But he's just he's, he, I, I see every night like on Twitter like he's making a new like highlight real pass. Like he's just yeah. – He's probably one of my top, like, and this might be surprising, he's one of my top, like, probably five or ten guys that I love watching on a nightly basis. Okay. Yeah, no, he's fun to watch. He just, he has those games sometimes where, like, he completely disappears. I don't know, like, if there's, like, when he's aggressive in those games where you can tell he, like, is going to the hole, he's taking a shot, I mean, he's running the offense, he's he's really good. He's really good defensively, too. He's one of the best defensive guards in in the NBA. But then he has those games where he just, like, takes a step back. And, 
and then he just kind of disappears or whatever. But I think that's the biggest problem with obviously LeBron getting hurt. That I mean, they were playing really well. They were actually up to like the number three seed in the in the Western Conference, and then LeBron got hurt, and they've kind of lost a little bit of or a few games. But I think that's kind of the problem is LeBron comes in, he's clearly the guy. I mean, he's clearly the leader. He's the guy on the court. So now, like, LeBron goes out, and you almost, like, don't know what to do. Like you said, Kuzma the other night scores 43, so he's a guy. But then, like, another night, Brandon Ingram, he tries to take over. So, like, that, that's why they're kind of – I don't think they're playing really well right now. Like, they don't – without LeBron, they don't really have, like, the guy to go to night in, night out. So, mm-hmm. you know, but like you said, maybe that's a good thing. With these young guys, maybe they'll they'll figure it out. Maybe, you know, Kuzma's figuring some stuff out or whatever, so – but, no, I mean, when LeBron comes back, hopefully he's good to go and everything. I honestly think your Rockets, you know, with your guy Harden, they're playing really well. And then Boogie Cousins, is gonna, he's going to play his first game in a few days too. So, curious to see how the Warriors do. But I think the Lakers could actually, like, if they're full strength, make it to the second round. I think they could win a first-round matchup against someone. Well, yeah, I think. I, but do you think that's, that's your guys' like, that's what you want? You just want to win one round? Well, obviously, the, I mean, obviously the goal is to win a, a championship. But like this year, I mean, they didn't. They're they're waiting to sign that next big guy, whether it's going to be Anthony Davis or happen to be Kawhi or something like that, Paul George or whoever. I think this year the goal was like to build on it. Yeah, get to the playoffs, maybe win the first round. Obviously, once you get to that second round, you want to win that that series. But I think I think you want to see who they sign with that this this off season. Who if they if they trade for Anthony Davis or. Or something like that. So, but I don't know, it, it'll be tough for them to go much farther than that. I think. Okay, that's fair. We'll see. I mean, how do you? Anytime how do you, you have LeBron, I think you just can't yeah, I, waste a year. I don't know. No, that's true. Yeah, you don't want to just waste a year. But I mean, just being like realistic, I don't think if they make it to the second round against the Warriors or the Rockets or something, it'll be tough to win that series. But what, mm-hmm. what do you think the Warriors will do with, with when Boogie comes back? Do you think they're just gonna like? <laughs> be an all-star team and just score 130 a night? Or do you, you think it might actually be dysfunctional? No, it, it's they're going to just build on it. I mean, they have such a great foundation, like with the Warriors. And they're probably not – like he maybe he might only play like five minutes, you know, just to get his feet wet. I didn't yeah. think they're going to bring him back until after the all-star break, honestly. But it's just – you had Boogie Cousins as a team that's already the best team in the entire league by far. Like I just – what a move that really was. Like when you really yeah. sit down and think about it, wow. Because like, Boogie Cousins, I mean, last year he was playing as well as Anthony Davis was for the Pelicans until he got hurt, and it's just, no. I don't know. That's going to yeah, be fun I'm, to watch. I can't wait. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to be fun to watch. I'm curious to see how it works out. I'm also curious to see how long it takes for him and Draymond Green to get in a fight on the court. Like, I feel like that's just inevitable. Yeah, that, it like, is. Draymond almost got in a fight with Kevin Durant, and Durant's, like, I mean, supposedly, like, a nice dude or whatever. Imagine when Boogie Cousins like starts going off or starts doing something stupid. Like him and Draymond are gonna get in a fight at some point. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, you know something that, and kind of just to maybe wrap this up a little bit. I've, I've been I'm in the middle of a, and this is kind of it's because I've been watching those the Masters commercials have kind of started rolling around. Oh, right. I'm yep. in the middle of a Tiger Woods book, and I just had a few fun facts about Tiger Woods that I kind of wanted to throw out to you and to the listeners. So he's had. <laughs> And this is just wild. Like, this book is a complete tell. I love it. It's by Armin Katang. I might have to uh, give it to you, Matt, next time you're in town for you to read. But he said, Is it the sex- one that just recently came out? Yeah, it's awesome. Okay. Number one New York yep. Times bestseller. He said yep. sex 270 times in one year. Like, first off, I don't even know how they record that. <laughs> but isn't that just kind of crazy? <laughs> 279 times. I mean, when you think about it, 365 days in a year, I mean, that's that's quite a bit. And then, so just a couple of fun, like, facts about just how awesome he was, or, like, just how he was kind of raised and stuff. Like, so his parents read somewhere when he was a kid that when the baby's eating, like, they retain stuff. So what they would do is every time they would feed Tiger as a baby, they would have his dad take a swing, like a golf swing, in between each, like, bite. So huh. that he would remember it, and it would, like, be, like, muscle memory. So it's like they, those are the, they'd have him every night. They'd have him take a swing, feed him a bite of his baby food. Take a swing, feed him a bite of his baby food. That's just like it's insane the lengths they went to to make sure that he was going to be like a professional golfer. Yeah, and that's probably why he also had like a ton of personal issues too. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that comes with it. And then it's also like, and then the, here's another, just one more story I kind of want to share. Um, 
So he had six drivers. So Nike sent him six drivers to try out. And he went and he tested them all. And he told the guy, uh, I like the one that was heavy. Like, I like the heavier one the most. And the guy told him, he's like, they're all the same weight. And Tiger's like, no, I like the heavy one. So the guy from Nike had him sent to the Nike factory and had him weigh them. One of them weighed one dollar bill heavier than the rest of them. Damn. And that was like, and that just shows you like how in tune he was with his golf clubs. Like one dollar bill, he was able to tell that like with his swing, like just crazy. I just, I, I just, I just had to share some of that. Like I've been dying to talk about Tiger Woods. That's crazy. No, that that's pretty crazy. And you, you just gotta think like, I mean, obviously I, any of the pro golfers probably are similar. But if there's anyone who's, like, that crazy, like, that much of a crazy genius about golf, it would be Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, you, everyone, you always saw the videos. I mean, you just talked about it as a baby. But you always saw the videos of him, like, as a two-year-old, like, golfing, carrying his bag around. So, yeah, that that's wild. He he knows more about the drivers than the, the guys who made them. I know. And it was, like, just because the only reason it weighed a gram more is because, like, they had a little extra, like, glob of glue on it. Huh. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So, I, I mean, I know the answer probably from you, but actually we've talked about it before. I know you're a Tiger Woods fan, but, I mean, you're you're kind of hoping that he, he – he played well last year. I mean, he played really well. But mm-hmm. you're hoping he kind of keeps it up. Maybe I, – I would love to see him win a Masters again. I mean, like any of the other majors would be cool, you know, but the Masters is the one. It would be awesome to see him win one. I can't – I tell you, I just can't wait for the Masters. As soon as those commercials start coming out, it's like just the ultimate, like, tease. It's crazy. Yeah, I will tell you something else that I'm really looking forward to today, and I'm actually been scrolling Twitter like as much as I can. Faster horses is announcing their lineup today. Yep, I did see still, that. Still hasn't came out yet, so I my I thought it was going to come out, get a live reaction here on the pod, but it hasn't came out yet. So are you still are you still lobbying? Are you still lobbying for your guy to get in? Who was it? Jake Who Owen? are you lobbying for? Jake Owen. Yeah, if Jake Owen's in there, that's it's my life is made. Yeah. So are you guys, are you, the whole crew, are you guys going to go again, or what are you, are you planning on it? Yeah, it's sort of, we're trying to make it a tradition to just kind of go to Fast cool. Horses every year, almost like a reunion. So that's our goal. Man, they just, nothing, nothing yet, nothing yet. They're just waiting, they're tantalizing us with these promos. Yep. Yeah, it, it's always a big release. I mean, if you're planning on going for the whole weekend, it, it almost like doesn't matter like how the lineup plays out. I mean, you're excited to see it for sure. But, like, you want to see that come out because, like, Ted was talking about he wants to go for one night. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, you want to see what night you want the, the big headliner that, you know, you want to go check out. But I don't, I, I want to get back and at least go for a night. I don't know if yeah. I'd go for a weekend. You know, I, I it would be fun if I had some buddies and stuff or whatever. But, like, I don't know if I would go for the weekend. I, I'm not trying to say, like, I'm too old for it or something like that. But, but yeah. It's a long I, weekend. I, it's, it's a long it's, weekend. It's, it's, it's almost like a war. It's like a four day right. war. Right. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta pace yourself. You and, I, and you made a good point. Like it really doesn't matter the lineup. Like you're really not really there for the music. I mean, I mean, there, there it, might it, be it, like it's part of it, but it's right. really not. I mean, it's really just you're with your friends and it's just a huge party. Is really what yep. it is. Yeah, there might be like one or two acts that you really you like you really want to go see, but the rest of it is, is probably. I mean, the festivals that I've gone to. There were like the one or two that you know you made sure to go see, and then the rest of the time it was just kind of like you're you're partying, you're hanging out, and you might just happen to go catch the music. You know, it might be like, hey, do you want to go over here and listen? Sure, let's go. Yeah, otherwise, exactly. otherwise you're just like hanging out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, that's cool. Though. But you guys probably learned some stuff. You know, you did it last year, so you figured some stuff out. Mm-hmm. Maybe like what what time you should leave, what you should. Pack, yeah, that really screwed us last you know? year. You're right. What, like what, I said, we like lost all night. We didn't get in until 5 a.m. Yeah, that's rough. So. And then, like, not only do you not get in until 5 a.m., like, you're not really sleeping. You know, that, no. that almost, like, ruins the next day or, or at least the next morning. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah. So. No, that'll be cool. And that's, like, I don't even know why. Why I hate how they do that. It's, like, still, like, six months away. I don't know. I shouldn't be talking about it. I shouldn't get myself riled up about it. We still got, like, a long way to go. No, it is one of those, like, I don't know, like back in the day, you'd write it on your calendar, but maybe you set like a reminder in your phone now. But like, yeah, you just look forward to it. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe like you're going to laugh at this, but uh, we've got a big Disney trip planned in June already for this year. And you're going like, again. Wow. Going again. We're probably going to go two, two or three <laughs> times this year again. Oh, no. But, uh, <laughs> yep. but, but yeah, we've got a big one in June. So kind of the same thing. Like I, we've already got it marked down. We're already talking about it, looking forward to it. So 
similar to your faster horses trip. That's awesome. But yeah. Yep. Same crew though? Like you guys all in? Are you gonna add some people or a lot of people I think a lot of people heard like, you know, kinda how good of a time we had. Like you said, like Ted, like he wants in now. <laughs> right. It's it's there's a few people like that that are just kinda they want to see what it's all about. And so I can't I, I can't recommend something enough. Right. If Ted goes, I mean he said he's gonna go. If he goes, you know, he said like him and his brother, your dad might go and you know, whoever else they bring like, would you would you hang out with him? Would you take him back to your camp, you know, like to your campsite? Or would you yeah. guys try and just, like, you know, avoid we each might, other? No, I, well, if they're, like, if they were there all four days, like, I would I would maybe hang out with them one day. Since they're coming up for a day, like, yeah, I'm going to hang out with them probably for that day. I mean, why yeah. not? A little, spend a few hours, chill out, you know, play some uh, cornhole or whatever they want to do. Or maybe they would come <laughs> to us. I don't Maybe we'd show them what we do. Which right. I can't imagine what they would think of that uh, whole scene <laughs> at the fireball time is what people call it. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a good time. Cool. Well, definitely we'll have to, uh, when it comes time, when is Faster Horses again? Is it July? Uh, July, July 18th is the first day. Nice. So after 4th so, of July. got a while here. Yep. So you can, you can go get through 4th of July and then, then you're ready to go for Faster yep. Horses. So, so, yeah, we'll definitely have to uh, get, get an update and – like we said, maybe maybe if I can make it back, we can do like a live podcast from Faster Horses or something. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be wild. That'd be an all time podcast. That'd be an all timer. It, it'd probably end up being a lost podcast if we're being yeah, honest. Probably. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's gonna close it up for uh, episode fifty four. Uh, do us a favor and check out Three Point Podcast on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud. Subscribe, share, send it to your family, friends. Do whatever, but uh, hit us up, let us know what you think, and, and rate it on Apple iTunes. Be a part of a future pod, too, and record a short commentary or question. Send it to us at our podcast page, our Twitter page. You can send it to us at 3pointpod at gmail.com. Our Twitter and Instagram handles are at 3pointpod. You know, just hit us up, let us know what you think, and uh, send us a question or something. Thanks again to our podcasting partners, Rival Staff House and Grill, The Corona Connection, Corona Public Schools, and whenever Ted comes back, Z92.5, the castle, our podcast recording <laughs> studio. So hopefully Ted is good. You know, hopefully we've held, the, held down the fort for him good enough. But, uh, yeah, hopefully the recovery is going well, and, and we'll hear him either next week or the week after. Yeah, I think we should expect him uh, next week. Not yeah, to probably... put his timetable, not to speed his timetable up a, a week, but I think we'll see him next week. He's yeah, tough. I, he, he's tough. He, he's a gamer, and he, he probably misses us. That's why he yep. texted us right away. <laughs> That is kind of funny. We both kind of thought that was a little bit odd, but I appreciated it. No, I, I definitely appreciate it. It just made me laugh. But yep. <laughs> that's it for this one. Thanks for listening to Three Point Podcast. Nobody gonna name their babies after me. I might not go down in history, but I'll go down to the honky tonk. I go down to the honky tonk. I go down. To the honky tonk, I go down, I go down to the honky tonk. I go down to the honky tonk.